This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow. From the land and sea they roam. Drinking wine in the great unknown. I'm Susanna Gold. I'm a wine educator, brand ambassador, writer, and marketer with a keen interest in both new and old world wines. My websites are vignettocommunications.com and susannagold.com. And of course, I have a wine blog, avinata.com. I'm particularly keen on Italy, where I lived for 15 years. While I do consider myself a wine geek, I love to look at wine from all aspects. One of the things I want to do with this podcast is delve into the many facets of the wine world, looking at it from multiple points of view. The podcast will have different series, and for the next 10 weeks, I will be discussing the topic of sustainability with my friend and fellow wine lover, geek, and expert, Sunny Gandara. Hi, everyone. I'm Sunny, and I've worked in multiple facets in the wine industry uh, over the past 15 years or so. Currently, I'm the U.S. brand director for Quechabella, which is an Italian winery located in Tuscany, and uh, I have a special interest in vegan and organic wines. I'm also the global wine director for Matthew Kenny Cuisine, which is a worldwide plant-based hospitality and restaurant group. Um, a trained chef and food and wine blogger on the side, where my focus is on pairing wines with plant-based dishes. I want everyone to discover the enormous, exciting, and delicious world of plants and the gastronomic pleasures you can get eating a vegan diet with a glass of wine, of course. Of course. I'm actually trying to go in that direction, Sunny, so it's thanks to you if I ever become vegan. And today's guest will be Michael Drapkin of the Kingston Wine, wine Company. We're really excited that he's here to talk to us, and I can't wait to hear what he has to say. Um, Sunny, do you want to ask the first question? Yeah, hi, Michael. Thanks for being with us. A pleasure uh, to be here. Thank you for having me. Love your store, and uh, I'm relatively close to you in Beacon, so I know I need to come up there more often, but I do love your selection, and uh, I'm excited to talk to you today. So, First of all, for those of uh, the listeners who don't know you, um, wanted to f- kind of find out how did your move from the city, I know you used to live in the city, to mm-hmm. Kingston come about and the idea of opening a wine shop there. And um, also, if you always have had it in mind to to have it be organic and natural focus, you can talk a little bit about your shop, but would love to hear some background before we get into it. Yeah, so I started uh, working in wine retail in uh, early 2000s, around 2005 in Washington, D.C. at Whole Foods. And pretty quickly, I recognized certain importers that struck a chord with me. Kermit Lynch, Neil Rosenthal, Dresner, and the type of wines that they carried and the stories and the people that they represented uh, had a kinetic pull uh, towards my palate. So moving fast forward uh, a handful of years, I'm working in New York City in wine retail and recognizing that it's my time to open my own business. I just felt the the urge. I was in my early 30s and needed to express my entrepreneurial self. And I took a number of months looking for spaces in New York City. And what I quickly found was that there were so many incredible stores in New York City, many of them focusing on organic, biodynamic, natural wines. I won't be exhaustive at naming all of them, but certainly the iconic Chamber Street, you know, Uva, Flatiron, et cetera. 
And as I was hunting to open a store in New York City, trying to find a pocket that I could open my store in Manhattan or Brooklyn, uh, I found that maybe what I was doing was maybe a little bit repetitive, just didn't feel like the right move. And so we looked north and uh, town of Kingston and a space available. And I thought, I don't know who the clientele will be. I don't know if they will support the type of wines that we love, but I believed seven years ago now that if I were able to passionately tell the story of the farmers and the winemakers combined with you know, a digital presence uh, that maybe there could be a possibility of making a go at it. What a bold move. I mean, that's, I was going to ask you if you had already a built-in. Uh, or foolish. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a success story because I, I mean, everybody speaks of your store now and it's really become sort of the, I don't know, the sort of place to go. And of course there's more natural wine stores opening in the area, but really, you know, as a result of probably seeing, you know, that people do, do we'll talk a little bit about more about that, but um, thank you for sharing that. That's really mm -hmm. inspiring. That's a great story. And actually Kingston has a place in my heart. I don't even think Sonny knows this, but um, I went to camp around Kingston when I was younger for five years and it's a huge part of my past and my life so I'm, I'm very I'm a huge fan of the Kingston Saugerties area I'm still very attached to all those people um, I wanted to ask you do you have to do a lot of education around the wines that you bring in do you find that your customers come in already very knowledgeable is that a key piece for you and your store so I think education is a key centerpiece of our store the staff tastes almost every wine that uh, often before the shop door is open. And it makes it really a wonderful intimate interaction that 70% of the product that goes out of our door, there is an exchange, a conversation that's taking place and maybe a light bulb that's going off, not just for the consumer, but for, for the sales staff as well. But it gives us great, I think, joy and satisfaction and fulfillment to have that engagement. Certainly, the customer who is only drinking uh, a particular type of Chardonnay from a particular region in France, they want to come into the store, grab that bottle and go. And that certainly makes up a, a chunk of the clientele as well. But I wake, right. up, I wake up every day thirsting for knowledge, knowing that this thing called wine will never be uh, controlled by me or mastered by me, that there'll always be a region or a grape or a producer that's new. And that's what makes it all so fun and exciting for all of yeah. all of us, certainly yeah. on this call. And I, it's really nice to know that your customers are excited by that, too. Yes, it is. Uh, it, yeah, it's, it's reciprocal. You know, people people say that to our staff often we love what you do we're so grateful for what you do we certainly are are thankful for that but it does take a consumer on the other side of the equation to be receptive and reciprocal and open and seeing the spectrum and the vast i think change over the past 15 or 16 years that i've been working in wine retail has been jaw-dropping inspiring it's just incredible how open-minded the consumer is and our consumers are. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, um, that's, that's, I only worked for a very short 
period of time in wine retail in one store in Tribeca. And it was a very particular clientele, you yes. know, the Chardonnay from Kistler that I can cook with, right? Yes. Yes. You know, it's like that whole thing. <laughs> and nothing, you know, nothing is, you know, lucky them. But, you know, it was a more limited, it was a more limited um, kind of field. And it was also, gosh, just over 10 years ago. Anyway, so really exciting. Um, I've, I've worked in those, those stores as well. And those type of stores. And I think having that experience is, was really important and, and shaped also how we command ourselves at our store uh, and just having a full knowledge of the broad spectrum of customers and knowing what they're looking for, what tickles them, certainly has helped our career. I was curious about like, what are some of your criterias for the wines that you bring into the store, especially when it comes to, you know, sustainability, organic, mm -hmm. biodynamic viticulture? What are some things that you look at that you before you? So, yeah, I think we place farming, good farming, regenerative farming, organic, biodynamic farming as a centerpiece to our decision-making. So that's vital. You know, somebody who's practicing somewhat uh, agriculture that's historically normal, uh, agriculture that is organic or biodynamic or sustainable, which is a much smaller piece, I think, of, of our wine selection. Lut raisonné, as the French would call it. Yeah. So that's the that's the first part of our criteria. Always looking to looking at if there is a if there is a Sauvignon Blanc that is certified organic that I love, and a Sauvignon Blanc that is conventional that I love, and at their same price, hundred percent of the time we will always go with the organic or biodynamic. You know, certainly, the next uh, criteria is how the wine is made in the cellar. Is it lo-fi? Is it high tech? Uh, is it natural? Uh, that that is also considered leaning, of course, towards more historically normal, lo-fi, let the wine make itself type of philosophy. We also certainly consider the winemaker and, and who the winemaker is and what type of person they are. Do they treat uh, not just the land well, but you know, maybe their employees and their workers and the community. And then we also consider the importer uh, who's representing them. Are they a socially responsible company doing good work to represent uh, their growers, to give back to their community? So uh, it's, a, a, I think, a really vast uh, decision-making process, but certainly underlining regenerative farming, ideally, somewhat small scale, independent, family-ish owned farms and wineries. That's really, that kind of ties into my, my next question to you, which is I saw on your site that you have different uh, monthly, I think, offerings and you describe your store as kind of a CSA. Mm -hmm. what, what that resonates with me because I live in New York City and I've participated in the CSA with, you know, buying produce. It's, I've just never seen a store described that way. Can you can you tell me your thinking behind that? Sure. So I think what you're referring to is our monthly wine subscription or wine share. Yep. I think what we are the the, the terminology that we used was this is kind of like your CSA, but it's wine. So I think it's so important to highlight that wine is an agricultural product, and for those people who do want to source their fruits and vegetables and if, if they eat meat, meats from a local and or uh, 
not local, but well-farmed, well-crafted purveyor, then the same, the same thing should apply for that bottle of wine, which is an agricultural product. So I think that the idea there was to say that your kale uh, or your pork chop or whatever it may be uh, is equivalent to that bottle of wine on your, on your table. It's going into your body. It was made from the land and a certain uh, consideration should be applied to that beverage if you, if you so choose. Yeah, I thought it was really smart. I had never kind of seen that, um, you know, that kind of uh, comparison or that way of looking at a wine, a wine club or a wine subscription. And I really liked it and it made me think immediately. So I go to a CSA at my son's school and I thought, well, I should propose his wine shop as part of the CSA for our school and all that stuff. Of course, you know, I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to be pushing alcohol to elementary school parents. But, you know, <laughs> anyway, it was just it just I really like that um, that kind of description. So I thought, you know, well done. Thank you. It resonates with everybody. Yeah, it was just people. real. It's really Maybe. smart. Yeah. Yeah, I really like that. So, um, you know, a little bit more about the customers that come into your store. Like, what do you find they're most concerned with? Like, what do they ask for? Uh, knowing, I don't know, they may or may not know that you focus on natural and organic wines, but I'd be curious uh, percentage-wise, like how many come in specifically asking for something sustainable, organic, or maybe it's not even that. So I think that for the most part, people who are aware of our store know that th th that's what we do. Those are, those are the type of products we represent. Outside of that, somebody just walking into our store not knowing the context of, of, of who we are. Uh, people are absolutely without a doubt uh, looking for naturally made organic biodynamic wines. It is, a, it, is a, it is a large percentage uh, of, of people who uh, don't know what we do, still seeking that out, I believe. There is, a, I would say, a smaller percentage of customer, our customer base, maybe 15% or under, 20% uh, or under, that, that are truly uh, not as concerned. They're looking for their, their, their bottle of Chardonnay or their bottle of Pinot Grigio that they have every night. And, right. and, and how it's made or who it's made by is of zero concern, which is absolutely fine. And we want to cater that to that, that customer's need as well. Uh, but I think that an overwhelming majority of people who walk into our store are absolutely looking for wines that fall into any one of those three categories of biodynamic, organic, or natural. Oh, man, that's encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So I, this is kind of a question I ask all our guests because I decided to name it the sustainability series. And I've discovered along the way that sustainable means different things to different people or a lot of people don't think it means anything at all because it's not rigorous enough, yeah. like sunny. So Michael, <laughs> do you have a view on, do you use the word sustainable and does it mean anything to you? And what does it mean to you in terms of wine? It's a really good question. And I think that to me, my foundation, my foundational understanding of sustainability would go to, would be thinking about an importer like Kermit Lynch, whose many of his producers practice sustainability or loot raisonne. Right? So mm -hmm. whether that means something or has 
credibility or uh, certification. I, I, I'm not. I'm not sure. It, it's not a term we use often, just because it seems to be a very gray area and somewhat vague to me. I, I know that there are people, importers and makers in the wine business who maybe aren't certified organic or biodynamic that are, that are championing sustainable farming. And I'm sure there's certification bodies, but they, they really don't come into the narrative much in our store, you know, and it's something that I should probably, we should probably pay a little bit more attention to, but we kind of lump sustainable into conventional. That's interesting. Um, it's, this has been an ex in a very um, enlightening journey to me to see how different people use that word and what it means to them, as opposed to what I think it means or what mm -hmm. it means to me. Um, and I started my, real wine career in Italy, where sustainable actually means something. And to Italian producers, it means something. And so generally speaking, so it's just been an interesting kind of, it's been an interesting trip to understand what it means in America and what it doesn't mean here. And so thank you for answering that question. And uh, I'm beginning to get the, the sunny perspective from everybody. So I think I'll have to rename the next series. Cause I, yeah, I think I might've missed the mark. So anyway, I think you have a question, Sunny. Um, no, I just, for those of uh, listeners who may want to start their journey looking into natural organic, I was curious about what you find are some exciting regions now that you obviously taste a lot of wines having a store. Is there something really fun and exciting where you feel like there's a lot of progressive things happening that you could share with us? Absolutely. I am, and, and have really been since I, I first stepped into a retail store, but very sympathetic, passionate about the wines from Austria and Germany. What I have noticed the past handful of years, thanks to some very intrepid importers like Jenny and Francois, uh, Van Boden, Selection Massau, and several others. There is so, Germany and Austria is such a diverse wine growing region. And that it isn't just about, even though Riesling is is my baby and dear to my heart and could drink it every day. There's so much diversity in Germany and Austria and an, an immense amount of young, talented, progressive producers, maybe outside of the major regions of say a Mosul uh, or a Wachau who are reconsidering, redefining, searching creatively. And I think that is a really, wonderful area for somebody who wants to drink natural organic biodynamic wine at a really good price. I mean, and in addition to that, you know, the preservation of an incredible uh, cultural gift, agricultural gift, these ancient steep slopes in the Mosul or say uh, parts of uh, Swabia in, 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 in Germany or the Baden region. So you're not only drinking well, drinking naturally, supporting young progressive farmers and winemakers, but I think you're also helping preserve, you know, uh, a, a culture that is somewhat endangered. Uh, and so those are two areas that immediately come to mind. And then of course the Czech Republic and Slovakia, 
uh, would be two other areas that you can drink very, very, very well and at a fair price. So this kind of leads me to a, a question I wanted to ask you, which was, do people seem to be willing to pay a higher price for organic, biodynamic, or natural wines? Like, do they understand that perhaps these systems of farming might lead to more expensive prices? And so, do you see that? Do you see that link that it might lead to more expensive prices? Absolutely. Uh, I think that that is going back to your question about education and informing the customer about the, the big picture, the economic picture. Uh, and when somebody, for example, comes into our store and says to us, we'd like to spend $12 on a bottle of natural. If we're, again, everybody defines natural differently, but if I were to define natural, how say the raw, raw, uh, raw wine festival would define natural or an Alice firing would define natural. That's not possible. Could I, uh, or at least, the wines that we carry, I've yet to find a properly authentic natural wine under 15 or $14. Now, if somebody wants a organic wine at that price point, no problem, we can do that. But I think telling people that if they do want natural, uh, you're gonna be in the 18 to $20 range at a, at a minimum, I would say, most likely 17 and, and up. So I think people do, some people do recognize it. Some people don't. I believe that our customer base is willing to spend a little bit more money on wine that's well-made, regenerative, supports an independent farmer. But what is incredible about certain areas of Europe is that they're able to bottle modestly priced organic wine and put it on the retailer shelf in the United States for $12. And so there's a customer out there looking for an organic wine under $15 and we can provide it. Uh, that would be a very simple and quick answer, but we do have plenty of customers willing to spend a lot more money knowing that the product that they're getting is well-made. And I guess my question was about, about COVID and you know retail seeing that huge boost of people perhaps spending a little bit more money per bottle since they weren't able to go out to restaurants. Have you, did you see a shift also for people asking for more organic wines? And how do you see that sort of developing now once restaurants start to open again, we start to go back to quote unquote normal life. What do you see going yeah, forward? I think people were enjoying everything from the workaday Monday night bottle of Cote Rhone or Chianti. And then on Friday night, that was their night out even though they were in. And so you did see a lot more high-end wine beings being sold than previously on just a regular Friday night in June. And so that bottle of, for example, uh, in, in, in Austria, in the Bergenland, Christian Cheetah, that uh, his, his, his red wine that we retail for about $38, $39. We were selling a lot more of that wine this past year than we ever had before. Maybe people who had previously gone out to dinner and saw it on the wine list for $120 wouldn't have engaged with that wine. It just wouldn't have been a thought. But since they were recreating a nice dinner out experience at home, well, then allocating $40 for a bottle of Christian Cheetah made a lot of sense to them. 
And so we certainly continue to see that trend take place and people treated themselves more to nicer bottles of wine. Now, uh, what the future holds when, when restaurants open, I'm not certain. I certainly hope that restaurants do an incredible brisk business, but I do think that for the past year and a half, it's been wonderful to see the consumer uh, experience fine wine in their home under their own terms. And I suspect while there was a lot that was missed, uh, that there still was a portion of that experience that they'll take with them moving forward. I know at least I, I, I certainly will myself, and uh, I know uh, that my customers probably will as well. Well, that seems like a great place to end this episode. I, I agree. I, I hope that everyone continues to enjoy fine wine at home. I hope restaurants open to a blooming business and they that will. we're all eating healthier. And yeah. thank you so much for talking to us. I can't wait to come to Kingston and uh, Michael, shop in your store. But where we can find you. Online. Yeah, where is your store in Kingston and Absolutely. online? So uh, you can find us online at www.kingstonwine.com. Our entire inventory is available online. There's a little email uh, sign up list there that uh, uh, bombards your inbox with hard to get, highly allocated, delicious wines. And that's the, that's the case. For example, yesterday we did a Las Yaras offer on their Super Bloom. Uh, we received eight cases and it was gone in a few hours. So. That, that email list is, uh, uh, is, is worth your while. Uh, we're located in downtown Kingston in the historic waterfront district. And you can also find us on Instagram at Kingston Wine Co. At Kingston Wine Co. Great. Thank you so much. Great to speak to you and hope to meet you in person. I look and everybody forward to go it. buy some wine at uh, Kingston Wine Company. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Michael. Cheers. Cheers. Tune in next week when we speak with Jennifer Huther, Canada's first female master sommelier. Among Jennifer's many achievements, she's recently created a company together with a partner called The Social Herbivore, and they're working on elevating plant-based cuisines um, and entertaining doing wine pairings and events with this new company. So it's really exciting to be speaking with her next week and you can find us every Friday, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. This is Vigneto, a podcast. From the sun and soil they grow. From the land and sea they